Good morning. There we go. All right, let's get started with a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, get into class. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give us, and we thank you for the freedom and opportunity we have to come and worship you, to learn about you in, in our various classes, and hopefully allow us to take what we learn to either to apply to our lives to better ourselves or, and also to go out and use it to bring others to you, Lord. I just ask that you be with us as we, as we go through and study the things that we're going to study today, Lord. I ask you also be with all those who are sick and need our prayers. The current situation with the virus is, seems to be improving daily. just ask that you allow it to, and so that way we can get back to a little bit of what we were doing before, Lord. And I just thank you for everything you do for us in Christ. Let me pray. Amen. All right, so this is going to be the last class, or last, I said, maybe not the last class, but the last class in this series on the Holy Spirit and what we titled uh, The Ghost in Me. And, and so we're still looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to keep looking at those. And I'm going to read Galatians 22, or sorry, Galatians 5, 22 through 26, which we're, we're studying this from. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoked or provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. So, with the, with the fruit of the Spirit, we've looked at these four so far. And we did love a couple weeks ago, and we did joy, peace, patience. And I'm going to finish these off. And the reason um, we're not going to do two more classes is some of these, there's, there's actually uh, not as much about them. Um, but the other ones, which like faithfulness we'll look at, is, is actually... Um, the one that's talked about the most in the Bible, which is interesting, but we'll, we'll look at that. But we'll finish this off, and then next week we'll uh, continue on into something else. So the next one, or the next fruit, is kindness. And, and I, I think this is something that we've, man, I think we've really, especially the world today, kindness is something that we have really lost. Yeah, I think, and I and I do think. Well, I think a lot of it is what what I call the uh, the the reality world type um, things. You, all these reality TV shows kind of started in in I guess what was the real big one first was it um, Survivor was the, but if you look through all of these, what's the main thing that's 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 pushed in all these everything from Survivor to Desperate housewives to everything. Well, self, but what's the, the biggest thing that everyone, being mean. I mean, it's just being mean, right? And, and, and a lot of these, the meaner you are, the more you're encouraged, you know, and the more you're talked about. So, and then that's spread into, I think, a lot of our social media. One, people get really brave behind a keyboard, all right? They'll say things to you, you know, from a keyboard that they wouldn't say to you face to face. And so we've seen a lot of a loss in, in when it comes to, to being kind and kindness. And so I'm going to do similar like I did last week, and I'm going to try not to butcher these Greek words too much. But Greek, the word for Greek, or I'm sorry, for the word for kindness in the Greek is 
let me see if I can get this right the first time. Horace Horace Tates is a is I think the K is silent and you gotta roll it and and I can't really do that. But anyways, it stands for, for the most part, moral goodness and integrity. And it is found ten times in the New Testament. And and we're gonna look at this, but most of the time when it talks about goodness in in the Bible, or especially in the New Testament, it's actually not talking about our goodness. It's talking about, uh, or kindness, I'm sorry, it's talking about God's kindness and his, and his goodness towards us. So we're going to look at the verses here and God about this and show that God shows us kindness, and we're to, to be his example and to, to follow what he says. So the first verse we're going to look at here is Romans 2.4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with us? Or with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And I think we can use that as a, as a good example. <clears throat> you know, it's a lot of times when we try to convert someone or, or, or talk to someone about the Lord, we almost kind of beat them with the Bible to try to, try to do so, right? You know, instead of coming to them in, in, in a kind and patient way, Sometimes we're, we are very forceful and, and not as patient. And it's, it's, you need to turn now. You need to turn now. You need to do this now. And so an example here is that God is very, very patient with us and gives us plenty of time uh, to, to turn from our sin. And he talks about this again in Romans 11, <clears throat> verse 22, and it uses the same word here. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who disobey or who disobeyed but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. So again, this, this goes along with his kindness of, and we can follow that all the way back to him sending his son, right? But that is his kindness of allowing us to give us the opportunity to come to him. And then the last one here is in Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So we are to be kind and, and, and show kindness to one another, and we need to do it in the, in the examples that are given in these three verses here. And, and that is a kindness of wanting people to the point, or being kind to the people to the point of wanting them to turn, right? To, to follow God. And like I said before, sometimes I think we struggle with this one a little bit because, one, there's a passion on our side. We, we want people to convert, right? We want people to see what we see. And I, and I think sometimes we get so passionate about that, that passion, that passion can come off in, in, a, in a mean way instead of a kind way. And so we need to make sure that we show that kindness and that patience. It goes all back to all the fruit that we're talking about here and follow through with those and, and work to be kind. And again, this, is, this also applies in the, the same theme of, you know, always be kind, show kindness to one another. You know, that same repetition passage of always, one another, and in everything you do, right? You can follow all of these, and, and that's the attempt. Obviously, we know that we're not going to be able to do that. We can strive for it, but we're human, and we're going to mess up. And so we need to, to look at that. Any questions, comments on kindness? One is that perhaps over the years we have 
because there is a sense of urgency and there is an extreme sense of urgency with converting others. But we have to recognize that sense of urgency and do it patiently. Yes. That sometimes that's difficult. The other thing that we need to remember about kindness is that talk is cheap. Yeah. Actions is what matters. I, I would add to that. Ken made very good points. I would add to that. <clears throat> what benefit do we get by being mean-spirited? Anybody? There's that, that has never, that I know, converted anybody. It's never won an argument over it. it, it what benefit is it by just being mean to somebody? I, I've never spoken to someone who said, well, I came to Christ because so-and-so just, you know, was so mean and hateful to me, and, and I, I saw the truth, and, that, you know, I mean, <laughs> it just never, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some anomaly out there, but I, I doubt it. I doubt someone said, hey, look, so-and-so was so mean to me about the Bible that I, that I, that I converted. So. Trying to sell you a product, and they're mean-spirited about, about making you think, <clears throat> you're some kind of piece of dirt if you don't buy their product. I ain't going to buy their product. No. Even if I need it, I ain't going to buy it. And, and, that's human nature. and two, if you, if you, to me, if you guilt someone into converting to Christ, then really that, that is not a, what, what you're going to see is that's not, that's going to be one of those, like when they talk about the seed so, so that's going to be one of those who don't put down a, a foundation because their foundation isn't based in faith and, 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 and deep, you know, it's, oh, well, this person made me guilty, so I did it. And they, more than likely, that, that person will fall away eventually. Be said about fear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fear, guilt, that kind of, if that's the reason you convert, then, then you really need to double-check that and, and go back and find a, a, a much deeper meaning in that, in that. All right, good. Anything else on kindness before I go for? All right, goodness. Goodness in the Bible. The Greek here is agathosune. I think I got that one right. <laughs> uh, it's uprightness of heart and life. And what's interesting about this, this Greek word is one, it's only found four times in the New Testament. What's also very interesting, when it comes to goodness and this type of goodness, it is only found in biblical writings. It's not found any, in any other Greek um, languages or, or writings or anything like that. It is only, so the good, this is a goodness of God that's only found in the Bible or some, what they call ecclesiastical writings that, that maybe not have made it into the, into the that, that is the only area that this is found. So when I thought about this and I started going through and I said, well, then this obviously is a goodness that only comes from God. That's why it's only found in the Bible. This type of goodness. You know, we, we strive to be good, but even, and I think it's in 1 Corinthians, where it talks about none are good, right? It's, it's quoting from the, from the, the uh, Old Testament. You know, that, this type of goodness, it doesn't mean that people can't be good, but this type of goodness that we're looking at here is only found in the Bible, and we're only going to find it in us if we go from the Bible. So the first verse, I'm actually going to, look at the three other verses besides the one here in Galatians, is Romans 15, 14. I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well you can teach each other all about them. 
So where do we get where do we become full of goodness? A goodness of God, right? From God, right? And then we are to pass, and it's not talking about just goodness, he's talking about the other things that they, they, they're learning and, and teaching here. But that we are to pass this on and teach other things, other people about them. So along with all the other things we've been kidding, goodness is something that we're, it, it's not something that just comes natural. Now there's people who are, I, I would say, the slant toward being good, right, are, are kind, you know, kind of their nature a little bit. But this is the, the goodness of God is something that we on our we have to teach. We have to learn. It's not just something that we um, become. You know, we, we become a Christian, and all of a sudden we're just automatically going to be good, you know good. It's something we're going to have to strive for, just like all the other uh, fruit that we're talking about here. Ephesians five nine. For this light within you produces only what is good, and right, and true. What's the light? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this context, he's talking about Jesus. I think Jesus and his message, if you, if you go back and read all of Ephesians 5. But this light, this goodness, like we talked about here, it comes from God. And it only comes from God. This type of goodness will not come from anyone else or anything else. And then in 2 Thessalonians 1.11, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. So again, these good things, this goodness, this word that's used here, it, it comes from God. It comes through from God through our faith. And, and, and that's the thing I think we need to remember. There, you know, I think sometimes we think, well... That person's a good person, right? And because they're a good person, you know, I've heard people say this before. Well, that person's a good person. I don't see how God could send a, someone like that to hell, right? Because you know they weren't converted, but they were a good person. They really didn't do anything right. But even if, as nice and as good as they were, they did not have the goodness of Christ because they hadn't given themselves to Christ. And, and there's a difference. You can be a, a good, decent person, but it doesn't. You don't become that goodness you're not filled with that goodness that comes from from converting and knowing god and, and who he is go ahead one the good things we do is directly tied to our level of faith in christ mm -hmm. the more faith we have the more good things we're going to do for christ yep. the less faith we have the less good things we're going to do now the second thing about that is that when our faith prompts us to do those good things, God's power is going to help us accomplish those things. Yes. That faith and power, our faith, God's power, good things. Man, that's a result. I, <laughs> that's good stuff right there. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> what happens to us most of the time, though, um, is we get the substitute God's power for Jesus said along those lines, if you had faith of a mustard yeah. seed, you could do what? And he could move mountains. Move mountains. And so that's God's power. We yeah. don't have the power to move a mountain, obviously. 
That's God's power, but our faith in a mighty, powerful God. And, and I think, and then we're going to talk about faithfulness next, but I, I think to that point, a lot of the good things that we don't do because of our, I, I say lack of faith, right? Because we put our faith a lot of times in ourselves. And it's, well, I, can, I can't do that. I, I can't do this. I, I won't be any good at that. And we talked about that early on. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do a whole lot of things if you put your faith behind that. And you'd be surprised what you can do. And, and, and we need to learn to tap in it. We need to learn. And, I, and I, this is probably one of the one downsides, and I call this the, the kind of the, maybe the American spirit or the American theology, right? Of, of you can do whatever you set your mind to. You, you know, it's all you, it's all you. And there's truth to that, right? You know, I mean, you have the freedom to do a lot of the things you want, but we've kind of made it, you're kind of brought up in, in, a, in a dual situation where it's like, well, you can do this, you can do that, you have the power to do it. And then sometimes you get behind it and it's like, well, man, I'm, I'm weak here, I'm weak there. And we, and we lose that, that we've got to let go of that mindset of I can do all these things and say, okay, I can't do this thing, so God's going to have to do it through me. And Troy, are you getting ready to say something? Yes, it does. So I think that's a good transition to faithfulness, right? We just talked about that. <clears throat> Putting faith in God and who He is. So the, the, the Greek for, word for this is pistis. All right? It's a moral conviction of the truthfulness of God, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. Anyone want to guess? Because this, is the, this, this fruit is mentioned more in the Bible than any um, of the other fruits. Anyone want to try to just guess how many times the form of faith or faithfulness is in the Bible? No, I'm sorry, in the, in the New Testament. 537? 244 times. So, um, of all the... I thought love would be in there more, but actually... Of all the, the fruit of the Spirit, um, faith or faithfulness is in there more than all of them. Almost all of them combined, which is interesting. There's not quite, but almost all of them combined. And the reason I think it is, is because this is one of the keys to salvation, right? <clears throat> you, you, know, you can go through a lot of things, you can do a lot of good things, but faith is what leads to salvation, right? We're saved by faith through grace, right? So if you don't have this, then you're not going to have love, you're not going to have all the other ones. that are talking about. Now, It's kind of, I guess it would be a toss-up. Uh, I think God and Christ said love is the, the, one of the most important things. But faith is obviously pretty important as, as well because it's not going to lead to the type of love that we, we need to have if we don't have the faith. Love God with all of our right. hearts, Right, so yeah. So they, they, they all these work off and, and, and build upon each other. But faith, you know, and I thought, man, how in the world, because really you could do a whole series of lessons just on faith. I mean, there, there's a, you could dive into that. 
But what I thought I would do here is just look at two things. The very first verse in the New Testament about faith and the very last verse in the New Testament about faith. And just kind of give you kind of an idea of, of some, some things. Again, like I said, I, we could talk about this, this one all day. But the very first verse, anyone want to guess? About the very first verse in the New Testament about faith? <laughs> Matthew 8, verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Now this was talking about the Roman uh, centurion, I think it was. He was a Roman officer who came to Jesus. His son was sick. And he said, you know, you know um, I think Jesus talked about going to his house. He said, don't even come to my house. You don't have to come to my house. I know that you can give the command and it'll be done. You know, and this is someone who, who, you know, it's not some follower of Christ, right? He hadn't been studying the word for, for years and years and years. Christ is still just coming on the scene. But yet he had the faith to be able to know that Jesus could just say it without even being there and his son would be healed. That, that's a strong, deep faith. So I thought that was interesting that the first introduction we get into faith is faith from someone who really at that time, I mean, because of the situation, couldn't be a Christian, but you know, had faith in Christ without even really knowing him that he could do what he said he could do. That's a deep faith. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he talks about Yep. And then he turns around and says, look, you religious people who have been following me all along, you, you need to learn from this, right? <laughs> and then the very last one, anyone want to guess where the last faith comes from? Revelation, all right? <laughs> Revelation, Revelation 14, 12. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands, and maintaining their faith in Jesus. Who in here can say they endure persecution patiently? <laughs> That's funny. Me and Helen, so we, one of the things we've been talking about, I talked about this with Ken last week too, is, is patience. That's probably my... All the fruit, that's probably my weakest, well, it is my weakest, right? I'm not a, you know, when we were in the, was it the Chick-fil-A drive-thru? And I was complaining, you know, and, 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 and it's just, I've got to learn to slow down. I don't need to be in a hurry. I don't need to, you know, it, it's, it, that is a hard thing for me. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit better at it slowly, but I think it's something I'm always going to struggle with. But, you know, he's talking to a people here. When, it, when he talks about persecution and, and, and showing patience in persecution and then leading that to obeying in, in faith, he's not talking about, oh, well, you know, the government may, you said you couldn't meet on a Sunday for a little bit, right? He's talking about people who are getting thrown in with lions to be eaten or they're being, you know, halted up and, 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 and sliced either this way or all the way up. Right, you know, they, they, they're being beheaded. These are not people who are having to endure 
just a little bit. This is beyond, they've already been told, hey, you can't meet on Sundays, right? <laughs> you know, this, they're, they're being killed for their faith. And he's saying, yeah, just wait patiently, right, in, in that persecution and just endure it. We need to learn from that because we've been spoiled big time when it comes to this kind of stuff. And when a little bit of, I lost the word I was looking for there, you know, hardship or, you know, things aren't the way we want them to, or it's a little bit, makes something makes us uncomfortable, you know, we want to kick and scream and, and complain about it. And that's human nature, right? Or, or, you know, something, you know, something's not going your way a lot of times. It's human nature to want to, to be upset about it or complain. But that's the opposite of what God tells us to do. He says, wait patiently, endure it. And just obey his commands and maintain the faith. So that's the two contrasts there, right? So the non-religious guy who has some of the greatest faith that Jesus has ever seen in Israel to in the end have the type of faith that allows us to endure the persecution, even persecution of being put to death. That is strong faith. And then again, there's just so many different things we could talk about with, get, with faith. Maybe we'll look at doing a couple classes on that. Any, any comments on faith before we move ahead? All right, gentleness. Gentleness in the Greek is prautes. That's shorter, it's easier to say. It's only in the New Testament three times. And it means mildness, humility, and meekness. So the train of thought here on these, on these three other verses is that we should be gentle. And it's interesting on how we should be gentle. We talk about it a little bit with kindness. It's uh, Galatians 6.1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. How do we tend to react to someone who's fallen away into sin? <laughs> Depends on how well we know them. That's, that's a good <laughs> it can, it, it, that's a good, I think that's a good perspective it, it's, if it's someone you know and, and love really well sometimes you may be a little more gentle with them if it's not like you said someone you don't like then maybe you're not go ahead Ken there's two ways sometimes that we react to that one is like Steve said you know it depends on how well you know them the other is like that's the other yeah. Well, sometimes we, we do exactly the opposite of that. We jump all over them and say, you know better than that. And you've been in Christ so many years, and you shouldn't be doing this. And, and you know, and we forget that we need to look into ourselves because yeah. we could fall in that same temptation. It's easy to be that way when your sins aren't public. Mm -hmm. and, and so, were you? Okay, I thought you were raising your hand. <laughs> 
And that's a good point. Yeah. You know, it's if someone we don't know, it's like, I don't know, I'm not going to waste my time there, or I'm not going to, you know, it's not, it's not my, it's not my place, right? We hear that a lot of times. It's not my place to get involved in their business. All right, well, if that business is sending someone to hell, then it is our place to get involved. Now, you don't have, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, and again, we do it gently and humble. You go to someone and say, hey, you know, I see you struggling here, right? What can I do to help you? You don't go to them and say, like I think Ken or someone just said, you know better than this, you know, well, you know, you know, why are you doing this thing and then beat them over the head with it? You know, because that's the thing, is, and that's what I always try to go back to is it's easy to be self-righteous when your sins are not public. Self-righteous. It, yep. it appears to these people as being hypocritical because oh, yeah. they know good and well we're going to them with sins of our own. Yep. All right, so Ephesians 4.2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances or allowance for each other's faults because of your love. That's a hard one. Always be humble and gentle. I struggle with that one sometimes because I'm the type of person that one, <laughs> my patience, but two, um, I'm the type of person that if I, if I get to my 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 point, uh, you know, my reaching point, it's just you want to snap. All right. And so you, you lose that gentleness. Yeah. I don't know. This is, it doesn't say anything about dogs on here. No. Now you, I, always be humble and gentle. Right? Always. It doesn't matter what the circumstance. And that's hard. And again, it leads to being patient and allowing for others' faults. That's hard. We see, you know... Uh, one, if someone's faults aren't really affecting you, sometimes that's not as bad. You may whisper something about it or about it on the side, but if their faults are, are, are right in your face and, and they affect you, that gets hard. It gets hard to be humble. It gets hard to be gentle with them on that. Cheek a little bit. The only exception to that is when you work a cow. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. that have no one to talk about. Yeah, when we, uh, we work cows... Especially the, uh, I forget how many days it was when we'd have to work about 150 head of cattle. Those were not gentle days. Electric prong is not gentle. And then the rest of what we did, I'm not going to go into the detail, is not gentle. So, but necessary. If you want to have steak, let me put it that way. All right. And then 2 Timothy, and I think this one's, a, uh, it kind of goes back to our kindness one at the beginning. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. This one's hard too, right? When you've got someone who is opposing the truth, not just, not just sinning, right? I mean, not just out there not following Christ, but opposing Christ. That's hard. What's our reaction to the, to, you know, you see a lot of times to, to those who are pro, opposing Christ or opposing the truth? I've had people fight out saying to me, I just don't want nothing to do with them people. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that, that has hurt us is, is we see someone who opposes us, not just someone out in the world who's not following Christ, right? But someone who is actively opposed. It doesn't matter what you know, area you want to talk about that in. Our first reaction is to just cut them all off. We're not going to have anything to do with anyone like that. We're going to just completely, they're going to oppose us, we're going to oppose them, 
And, and, I, and that's hurt us. That has hurt us because we're not to do that. We're actually to gently instruct those who oppose us. That's hard. Now, someone is atta- when someone opposes you, to, normally they are attacking you. And so that's hard to do. Yeah. Early on in the Lord's church, they began to take the gospel big time to those who opposed it. Uh, Rome opposed it. Yep. And, and uh, the, you know, they wanted to learn the truth, as it says there, which is God's word. They taught them the gospel, which in Romans 1.16 is the power of God unto salvation. And they changed people. I mean, they changed idol worshipers. The mm-hmm. gospel changed people that, that at one, well, Paul was a murderer at one time opposing yep. God and his truth. And, and so uh, it, we, we, don't, we underestimate big time the power of the gospel to change people's hearts. We think, it, well, we need to find someone that more or less agrees with it, then we can convert them, which is true. But, but the gospel is so powerful, it has made enemies of the cross into great advocates. Oh, yeah. I think some of this, well, Apostle, like you said, uh, Paul was, was one example, but I think those who oppose Christ the most, sometimes whenever they are converted, are, are some of the most hardworking and, 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 and advocates for Christ. Well, because I think, too, they know how much they, 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 they did and attacked the truth, and, and I think sometimes there's, there's trying to make up for that, but, but I think they understand the situation around that, too. All right, anything else on being gentle? The last one is self-control. <laughs> this is between the patience and this one's probably my patience. Lack of patience leads to lack of self-control, right? <laughs> the Greek word for, for self-control here is Akrotea, I think is how you say that. It is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passion, especially his sensual appetite. And what's interesting, I, I thought this one would be in, in the New Testament more than what it is. It's only mentioned four times in the New Testament. And so we're going to look at uh, two of those. The first, or three, or I mean the third one is the one we're looking at right now, the, the Galatians one. The first one, I just thought it was interesting. Paul here reasons with Felix. He says, and he, and this is Acts 24, 25. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control in the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened and said, go away from me now. He replied, when it is more convenient, I'll call you again. And from what we understand, I don't think he ever called him again. At least it's not documented. So just, and I know it's not just self-control, but Paul you know, was teaching Felix about righteousness and self-control. And then the coming day of judgment. And it frightened Felix. It's interesting. And then the next one. I was going to, okay, that's not good. I was going to ask that. Go ahead. He knew it was true. He knew it was true, yes. And sometimes think about Felix. So Felix was, was what? He's a leader, right? He was a high leader. What do a lot of our higher up leaders and stuff, what is one of the big things they lack? 
self-control. We see that even in the church. How many times have we seen higher up preachers fall into this the trap of lack of self-control? Either around money or some sort of sexual sin. I think that may have been part of it too. Because you know, you get into that leadership, you get higher up. Sometimes you can get away with a little bit more. A lot of times you can get away with a lot more. We see that in our government. All right, Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. And I like this one. Uh, I talked with me and Steve. Uh, he, he talked about this a couple weeks ago and how one thing builds upon another sometimes. And this is one of those. Second Peter 1, verses 5 through 7. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. I like this picture here. You start with moral excellence and then you move from moral excellence to knowledge and then you go from knowledge which leads to self-control which then leads to patience, patient endurance which then leads to godliness which then leads to brotherly affection which then ultimately leads to love for everyone. And I forgot to look. I don't remember if that is agape love or brotherly love but I think it's agape love. It is. I love because you love me, I love yeah. you. Hey, yeah. We're all bros. Good, great. Yeah. See, the other one, which is God's love, which is I love you no matter what. Yep. And I just I like how all. When you look at this this section of scriptures, I've always looked at it as a building blocks or something like that. You, yep. know, you, you lay this down, okay? Now you lay this down, now you lay this down, and then you build this block up, and you build this tower up, and it's strong. Because, and, I, and I like how a lot of these do that. And I like how it shows the, the building and, and the progression. We're going to look at a little bit of that tonight, uh, of how to, to build, and how things build and, or, or change and work. You know, and, it's, and it's, that's what I like about this picture. And it's the same picture that you have when you're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, right? Each one builds on the other. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, right? Gentleness and self-control. You know, you can, you're, not gonna, you're not supposed to just have one of those, right? That's why we talked about the, you know, not calling it the fruits of the Spirit because it is one thing that you're supposed to have. All of these things are one result of the Holy Spirit. And, and they build on each other to a point of, you know, these are building blocks. You're not just going to, have one of them, and you know, as you as you love, you know, you're going to flow into each one of these, and it's going to build. Dad, very scholarly preachers say one time that the the way a Christian reaches true self control is that we put self under God's control mm -hmm. voluntarily. We surrender our life to Christ, and He becomes our master, and then He calls the shots. So it's self under God's control. He, he quotes Paul where Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but now Christ who lives in or through me. And, and that's the only way I think it, as humans that are in the flesh, and Paul talks in Romans 7 about how the flesh battles against the spirit, 
that the only true self-control we're going to have is when we turn it all over to God. Yep. I think there's we have the song, all of self, or all of thee, none of self, all of thee. You know, and, and I think that's the, the thing. Because we, we will, from our human nature, we will never have self-control on our own. The only way you're going to have full self-control is through giving it all to Christ. All right, so this series has been called Ghosts. I mean, we, we went through, you know, the, 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 um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and now we looked at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, and my whole thing around this is I want us to, to, to tap into that. I really want us to really study this more. One, pay attention to the gifts as you read the Bible and as you study the Bible. And one of the things to do, pay attention to the fruit. I'm telling you, the more you read the Bible, the more you realize the fruit that are talked about in there as, as you go through it and how you are to apply those in, in, in different situations and, and how it works and will help you become a better Christian. But I'm going to read John 14. This is what we started with, 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you will know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And so those of us who have put on Christ as our Savior, it talks about that when you are baptized into Christ, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is not just some saying, right? That is an actual thing and it talks about that it is in us that we receive. And we can use it for guidance. We can use it for to help us to go for And we just need to learn to tap into it. I think sometimes, like we talked about in the beginning, we, we try to rely on ourselves so much. And we, and we need to tap into that Holy Spirit that is with us. And, and I just encourage you to do that. Because I'm telling you, if you, if you, if you ask the Holy Spirit for that type of guidance and, and, and look for it, you'll be surprised what he'll lead you into and, and some of the things that you'll see and maybe open your eyes to. Any comments or anything before I end there? All right. Got two minutes, so we'll look at this. Next week, we're going to look at the Bible. And the idea around this is looking at the history and study of God's Word. There's a reason that, that I'm doing this. Uh, I want to look at this. Over the last month or so, I've had either people come to me or um, ask me questions, or there's been things that I've seen put out there that, that, are, that were untrue. And, and I want to go and look at and, and maybe try to correct some of that, because I think there's maybe a little bit of lack of understanding or knowledge around some of the things around the Bible. And so what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the history. We're going to start on how the Bible was written, the languages it was written in, and then we're going to go through and look at the different interpretations of the Bible, the different versions of the Bible that are out there. Because, again, I, th I think there's some stuff out there that, that we need to correct and make sure people uh, understand because it's important. I think it's important for the study of God's Word. And then lastly, one of the things someone's asked me is, I would like to see how you study the Bible. And so what I'm going to do is go through and kind of show you what I go through, my, my, you know, how I do it, and then how other people, there's some different um, kind of standards out there that, that help with studying the Bible. 
Because I, I think that's important. It, it's one thing, I don't think it works. Reading the Bible is useful, right? But it's not like a book, like you, you just read a book and, and you have that story. and you go. This is something you need to read and you need to study. You need to understand the meanings behind things. You know, it's good to know the, the Greek words and what those Greek words meant and what they were truly getting to. And so we're going to do that. I don't know how long this may be, two weeks, and you may be like, Chad, this is the most boring stuff we've ever gone through. Can we please go on to something else? But my, my ask here is between now and next week or the next couple of weeks, if you have any questions or you have anything that you would like to look at or that you're curious about, please write it down and give it to me. Or you can text it. I think most of you all have my number. If you don't have my number, just ask me. I'll give it to you. Um, because, again, I think this is important. I, I think we've lost some things around the Bible and what it is. And we talked a little bit about some of these things in, in the, the, um, the series that we did, The Problem of God. But I, I want to maybe dive a little bit deeper and get a little bit more understanding uh, for some people out there. So before I end, is there any questions off the top of your head that you would like to see? around this okay well if you do just write it down uh give it to me and then we'll uh we'll start this uh next week thank you